0: Hey guys, it's Tom Harrison here and this is another edition of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra. So um yeah, anyone else feeling a bit disappointed? Wasn't a great uh, ornada to be honest. Uh, was it three games had more than one goal in? Most extraordinarily, we had uh, the two um, 8 o'clock kickoffs. Well, 8 o'clock and the 8.06 kickoff, Monterrey Leon, Pachuca Toluca. You're thinking these two games could be absolutely spectacular going on at the same time. You know, four really talented teams, um, normally all four very good to watch. And it was just terrible. Both games nil nil. Barely anything happened. Apart from the um, Cardona sitting off. It was, yeah, terrible. Anyway, enough of that. Um, let's get on with this week's podcast. And the big topic this week I want to talk about is it's a pretty broad thing about how potentially there's an underappreciation. Of attacking Mexican players, and I'm I'm pretty sure this is something that uh, I think a lot of people will have, feel quite strongly about. Um, I know there's there's a lot of strong feelings about the perceived lack of opportunities for young Mexican players in Liga MX right now, and yeah, there's you know I, I just want to clarify that for those who don't know. Um, I, in principle, am against any form of foreign play restrictions in any league, in any sport, whatever, because of, uh, on the grounds of discrimination, that's how I, I see foreign play restrictions as an enforcement of discrimination. To say, you know, I think it's completely wrong to say that a sports team can only employ a certain number of people of a certain nationality. Um, I don't think that that would be deemed acceptable in other facets of life and with other companies. And I know that, you know, a football club is more than just a company, but in essence, they are an employer. And I don't believe that an employer should be able to get away with or actually in this case, you know, have discrimination enforced upon them by league rules. So, I ideol ideologically disagree with with the concept of foreign player rules, and I, you know, those who have known me for a while, have followed my stuff for a a while, will know this. They'll, I'm sure you'll have um, read me talk about this in the past, and um, that's not what I want to talk about today, um, because th- th- that actually. It relates to this, of course, but that's not principally what I want to talk about today. What I want to talk about is is whether there is an underappreciation um, and a kind of, you know, kind of like they don't want to play or they don't want to give chances to Mexican attacking players. And obviously... Okay, if there were more foreign player restrictions, they would be forced to. But it, it, it's still an issue, I think. Um, if it if it is true, and this is something that I would have to do a lot more studying on to to prove for sure whether there, there is true. But I have a suspicion that it is, and my reason for this um, goes just I mean, just look at the top clubs and. Look at the attacking players they have, and a lot of the top clubs. In terms of using up their foreign player allocation, they use it a lot of the time on attacking players, and the you know the, with the kind of ten eight rule, it's often that the more defensive players are um, the Mexican ones. Again, I don't have statistics to back this up but i think if you look through squads if you look through teams this is a trend that's that seems to be there I, I get you know again i can't back this up so i'm i can't say this for sure but it's a trend that seems to be there and obviously there is a concern about strikers right now and you know <laughs> i completely disagreed with his statements i thought it was completely overblown but um, Jared Borghetti last week said that in four or five years there won't be any Mexican strikers which I mean, was a ridiculous statement to make um, it was over-exaggeration to say that there won't be any Mexican strikers in MX. Um and won't be any capable of playing for the international team but there's a, there's a point there it's an over-exaggeration but there is a point and that is that we don't see many top Mexican strikers in Liga Merckis anymore and you look at the Apertura scoring charts and you know I'm looking at it right now and I've got top 15 there's one Mexican player and it's tricky who isn't a striker you know, I mean, who do you have apart from Peralta Pulido, who is a top who is a quality Mexican striker playing in Liga MX? if you even consider Pelito and Peralta to be quality Mexican strikers in Liga MX anymore so the striker aspect is a big concern I think for the future of, of the Mexico national team and there does seem to be I don't know I, I, I'm not sure if it's just because there isn't the talent right now in the strikers but you can make the suggestion that clubs don't want, for whatever reason, don't want to play the Mexican strikers. Even more evidence for this, though, the belief that sort of Mexican attacking players are unfashionable, I think is a good way of putting it, comes from some of the very, very talented attacking midfielders that um, there are in Mexico. And there are in Liga Américas. And I'll give a list of a few names you know. Um, Luis Quick Mendoza, Dita Villalpando, Jesus Isijara, Giovanni Hernandez, um, Jesus Escobosa, Flavio Santos. All of these players, I think I've seen so many examples of them being very, very talented. And... I'll talk more about Ben Dossman in, in, in a bit because he's actually my player of the week. But all these players, look at the clubs they're at. Chepas. Um, Hernandez is in the Ascension. You know, um, Flavio Santos is at Atlas now. He was at Puebla for a bit. Some may say, well, these players aren't very good. But I disagree. I've seen so many examples of those players having some, f- some fantastic talents... And they are skillful players. They are technically gifted players. They're intelligent players. Particularly Mendoza and um, Villalpando. They're such clever players. Their vision of pass is absolutely superb. But they've never been given real opportunities at big clubs. And they've been moved about here and there. Um, Obviously, you know, Quick was at America for a bit of time. But he didn't get many games there. Villalpando was it, um, Pachuca when they got to the final um, in 2013, I believe it was, and he was the, the maybe the most assists in that that season. But you know, next season they bring in someone from abroad. He's moved out. He doesn't get played anymore. I know there's issues with his temperament, so perhaps he's not the best example. But he's such a talented player. You know, would you not? You know, there are there are a lot of cases where clubs have made exceptions for talented players you have to say and that seems to never have happened for Biel Pando, now he's playing at Chiapas he's getting game time and he's been absolutely fantastic which is great to see but I think it's a great shame that you have these players who have really impressed me at times and look as technically gifted, as intelligent as most of the players that come in from Argentina, Colombia, Ecuador etc but they seem to kind of get moved around. They they haven't been given that full opportunity to show exactly what they can do. And it's really disappointing. I mean, Isihara is is a guy that a lot of people I know have been talking about lately at Nakaxa. And you have to wonder, um Isihara is now twenty-seven years old. So okay, he's at the prime of his career, but he's 27. He spent almost his whole career in the Ascenso with Nakegsa. You have to wonder, how how had no one previously picked him up? And you look at him, he's got four goals in Liga this season. Last season he scored four in the Ascenso. Same the season before. Season before that he got six. So it seems and you know, I, I don't watch Ascenso football, so I don't know for sure, but it seems as though he's been playing at a good level for a while. He's been getting goals from wide areas. And Clearly, the talent's there. I mean, so many people have been really, really impressed, myself included, with his performances this season. And you know, you really do wonder, why hadn't he been picked up? Um, and there's questions over the inflation of the price of Mexican players due to, well, the fact that there is a foreign player restriction, meaning that Mexican players are necessary in the squad, so therefore more valuable than foreign players. And there's obviously the pacto de caballeros, which means that players can't be picked up on, you know, free transfers, um, you know, Bosman transfers like they can in Europe. And um, as has been pointed out many, many times, but particularly by Tom Marshall, who talks about this a lot, the value of players doesn't decline as they start to reach the end of the contract, which is something you see in, in Europe. Players, as they reach the end of their contract, their value just starts to drop because the clubs know that they have to either cash in on the player now or lose them for nothing. And so that leads to players being sold. I mean, I'll give you an example from England right now. Saido Berahino just joined Stoke. You know, he's a guy who was a couple of years ago was being linked with like £25 million moves. His contract was up at the end of the season. He didn't want to sign any more, a, a new contract because he wasn't getting much game time. He was underappreciated at West Brom. So he knew he had the power, didn't sign a new contract, has just joined Stoke for 12 million. So a lot less money. And this doesn't happen in Mexico. So that's an issue. But also I think there's, you know, with the the cases of Mendoza, of of Villapando, of um, not obviously had because, you know, he was in the Ascenso, but there are cases, Flavio Santos, cases where players just have been moved around and, you know, Mexican attacking players just haven't got haven't been given the opportunities to show what they can do. Um, Escobolsa is another player that I, I really like. Again, he's been moved around. He doesn't get much chance. And we've never really seen the best of him, which is a great shame. So, yeah, a bit of a ramble that. Um, but I think my point is that perhaps, and I think fashionable is the best way to put it. Perhaps we have a culture of of the kind of seeing the Argentines and the Colombians as fashionable as exciting and i th- i'm guilty of doing this myself at times you know you look at a team sheet like um like Chivas Atlas and they have loads of Mexicans in the squad you're like yeah yeah, yeah they got Mexicans great and then you know, you see another team sheet and then I'm like oh my god they've got a Peruvian how exciting um, I'm I'm guilty of doing this myself but it sh- it shouldn't affect policy of transfer but I think perhaps it does I I'm, and you know is there a where's the root cause is it because um in Mexico they look up to those teams in South America and they they think you know hey we can you know the Argentines oh, wow Argentina are, have won world cups they're such a great country Such a great footballing country. If we need top attacking players, we've got to go to Argentina to get them. You know, is that coming from the board level? Is that from fans? Do fans kind of demand, oh, we didn't have a very good season. We need to go out and buy some big names from South America. We need to get some players who've scored in their Libertadores. Or we need to go to Europe and pick up some... um, you know, probably the South American who's gone to Europe hasn't done very well. We need to get that, you know, those types of players in. We don't want to just sort of give this Mexican who's been around for the league for a while a chance because you know he's boring. We want to get someone new in, and that probably as well comes from the short season thing. Um, you know, if if you don't do well, that's it. Transfer windows open. Get rid of them. Get someone new in. New season. Start fresh. Now, the counterpoint is that this isn't just a Mexican problem. The counterpoint is that this happens all over the world. And I think there are examples of of this happening in a lot of countries, whereas the foreign players tend to be the attacking ones. Perhaps the the, the national players are seen as safe, a good option. Um, They're dependable, solid. But the, the foreign players are exciting. They come in with the flair. They come in with the big talents and... You know, they, they're the ones who can do all the stuff in the final third. And look at China, for example. So China, they're, they've changed it now. They're allowed three foreign players. Look at the players they're signing. They're not signing defenders, top-class defenders. They're signing top-class attacking players. they All they're looking at is trying to bring in strikers and attacking midfielders. So perhaps this... Um, bias I guess in towards a, a bias perhaps towards domestic players defensively and towards foreign players offensively is a global thing and it's not just isolated to Mexico but what I would say is I think it's a great shame in, for Mexico for the Mexican national team because I think we've had quite a lot of players that have got nowhere near to hitting their potentials because they just kind of get moved around, and yeah it's it's a great shame um but hopefully if if there if this is a case and if you know if this is true that it's happening that there is a bias, there will eventually be a team, and you could argue that we're seeing this now with pachuca um a team that will be willing to Sort of go through some poor performances, some hard times with talented Mexican players, and then we'll give them the chance to you know, play there over a longer period of time, settle into the club, and then produce their best talents. Eventually, if there's a club that's doing this and it's working, other clubs will mirror that. So, because they're, they're in essence they're getting an unfair advantage by not having a biased policy towards playing time and transfers so this is something that could change but right now i think it is a problem i don't want to see it solved by more foreign player restrictions so hopefully that's not how people go about you know fixing this problem but yeah um it is a shame it's a shame and i would be really interested to hear some thoughts from you guys on this um yeah, I hope this has kind of made sense because I have rambled a lot about it. But anyway, we'll move on. Um, we'll move on to my player of the week, as I said, is Quig Mendoza. Jeff has got an incredible win at Tigres this week. Um, they, were, they were fantastic. And I'm not going to talk forever about how good they were because I really could. I had so much fun watching them. But they played... Very similarly to the way they did in the Apertura under Bueno. They didn't get any credit for it because they weren't winning, because defensively they couldn't deal with any f- former through ball. They're still a bit shaky, but they're better now. Um, they were lucky to get a clean sheet against Tigres, but they did, so fair play to them. Um, but th- they play such good football, and key to that, you a know, player who is very much key to that is Quig Mendoza, and he was so, so good on Sunday night. He was constantly, it was was just a great, it was like the perfect performance of what an attacking midfielder that I like to see, which was just the great combination of intelligence, technical ability, and hard work. So he's constantly on the move. He's not just standing around waiting for something to happen. He's going out there and making it happen himself. He was always picking up little bits of space. He was moving around. He wasn't allowing himself to be marked. And that meant he could get on the ball. And his goal is the perfect example of this. He's on the right wing. He makes this run all the way across the front of the Tigres defence. And because Hugo Ayala, who had a bad game, by the way, having a really bad season, actually, it's a bit of concern for Tigres, Hugo gets pulled out of position by being dragged towards Dele, who'd, who'd pulled away from, from the, defense, the Tigres defensive line. He never should have done this. This allowed a gap for Felix Arajo to pass the ball through. And Mendoza's hard work his, and intelligence, that clever run, meant he'd got in front of Janino, And then, well, he, what's he got? He's got the hard work, as I mentioned, the intelligence. He needs the technical ability. That, that was the technical ability. Throw on goal, very little, clever little finish. Pokes it um, into the far corner, uh, away from Enrique Paus, and won the game for Chiapas. And his all-round performance was just fantastic. One of the most interesting parts of his performance was how he appeared to display an understanding of La Pausa. Now, I have no idea if he does, because I've never spoken to him, but he, he appears to. And for those who don't know, la pausa is a concept in um, football which originates from Spain, um, la pausa being the pause. It's a concept of delaying a pass and this is done in order to wait for your teammate to get into the optimum position or to wait for an opponent to be drawn into you so that then when you pass the ball your teammate has more time. And this is something that is spoken about when you talk about the great Barcelona side with, you know, Xavi. Xavi is the main um, protagonist of La Pausa and obviously Iniesta Busquets, etc. And La Pausa is so good for enabling you to keep the ball. And this is what Mendoza and Chiapas seem to be doing on Sunday was so often they were they weren't just it wasn't just quick, 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 quick passing. It was You know, a little touch, a little dribble, wait for Tigres to come towards you, then play the pass. Wait for them, then play the pass. So that their teammates always had that bit of time. The other thing we saw was often it was edge of the box, wait, wait, wait. Now there's the through ball. There's the ball out wide. It wasn't, you know, we need to get this ball through as quick as possible to catch them off guard. It was, let's wait for the runner to get into the right position. Let's wait for that defender to be drawn out of position. That's what they did all day, Mendoza particularly. And that was, what, that was. to me, the main reason why they were so good against Tigres. And they seem to be doing it a lot. They've done it ever since I've seen them under Bueno. So I'm really looking forward to seeing them again. Now, let's move on. Uh, questions today. And we're going to start with... Um, couple of questions about um, relegation as i was talking about chiapas we've got um at reed munir asked favorite to go down to relegation and at uh, w springis asked who's going to descend so i spoke about this last week a bit and um last week i said chiapas (laughs) can i change my mind now I don't know, I still I still don't know if they will survive, just because they do still look very shaky defensively, but so do Morelia, um, you know, I was saying Morelia have, last week I was saying it looks like Morelia have improved defensively, then they go and concede three at Atlas, so, yeah, can I switch? I'm going to say Morelia now, <laughs> uh, who knows, it's Liga MX. anything can happen, but yeah. I said Morelia last week over Chiapas because of their strike force. But defensively they they are so poor. Um open center back partnership is not good at all. And you can you can have all the strike force in the world pretty much, but you've got to build a team on a solid defense. So Uh, Morelia. Also, they are, you know, they are last right now. So (laughs) I guess it's an easy one to say. All right. um, One from, actually, let's do the other one from um, at Rubenier, who asked best signing so far. And this links in to one from at A Forte 232 who asked are Pumas for real or are they over? achieving right now and the reason they link is because i think the best signing so far this season is nicolas castillo uh, the puma striker he grabbed his second goal um, of the season against nakaxa on sunday and it was a really good poachers goal so the classic classic number nine um, he's he manages he, he he sort of saw the danger area just in front of you know, in, in between that gap between the defence and, and the keeper, makes a very clever run into that danger area, gives himself a simple finish. And his all-round play, his eye for goal, his shooting abilities have been really impressive so far. And big things were expected of this guy. He comes in as top scorer in the Chilean league, everyone was thinking, this guy's going to be really good. And so far, he, he looks to be a really great signing for Pumas. And... You know, are um, Pumas the real deal are they overachieving perhaps they're overachieving in the sense that I don't expect them to win the season with a record of three wins in every four games but oh, I, I think they're contenders um, now when I say contenders I, I could probably talk about half the league as being contenders so me saying contenders doesn't mean too much but I do like them, uh, I think Palencia is a good coach um, he's he seems to have developed the side. You know there seems to be improvements in in the way that Pumas have played since he took over, which is fantastic. You look at the squad; they've got a ton of experience at the back. <laughs> Obviously, Picalline, um, who could be we well, you know he picked up an injury. We'll see uh, what happens in with that injury. See how long he's out for, but. Piline Veron Alcoba, I mean they're all in their thirties, but if they can stay fit, if they can stay you know healthy through the season as long as they don't tire too much as the season goes on, they're fantastic players i I absolutely love Alcoba, I could talk for ages about how much I love Alcoba, he's such a brilliant reader of the game. The amount of interceptions he makes is quite incredible um you know I think only I'd say. Uh, Pablo Aguiar is comparable to him in terms of reading of the game. Um for Mac defenders. And that helps Pumas out so much because it breaks up attacks and it instantly gets them to counter. The issue with Pumas is uh, the away form. And it it has been for a while now and they they are they're very good at home and it's very tough to play there with these midday kickoffs. But to win a Liga MX title, to go far in La Liga To be the real deal, they've got to improve away from home. So we'll see what happens in that sense. But I think the squad's very strong, good coach. You know, Castillo was a fantastic addition. So they could go far. And who have have we got next? Um, This one from at Cycling and Soccer on Twitter asks, um, I've never seen a season with such parity among the clubs. Your thoughts on why, how... Love the podcast. Well, thanks, Michael. Glad you're enjoying it. Uh, I'm not sure I agree. In in seeing more parity, Um, I remember last season I made a table of this is what the season would look like if the Apertura and Clausura were you know mixed, and it was just one season, European style, no playoffs. There would have been 19 points between first and 15th, which is like my favourite stat about Liga MX, I tell people this all the time. I'm like, yeah, you think the Premier League's close and uh, you know a tight league, and the weak, the lower teams are strong. <laughs> you know, look at Mexico; it's <laughs> the parity is insane, and it's fantastic. I'm not sure there's more parity this year. Um, well, but we'll see. We'll uh, I, I'll do something similar at the end of the season, and we'll, and we'll see if the parity has increased. It would actually be quite interesting to do a study of of how the parity has changed over years You know, make this league table for every single season and see how the parity has changed that would be quite interesting um, if, you, if you would be interested in that then let me know uh, I could, that's something I could do but yeah, yeah I don't know if the parity's has increased um, I, I, I see it kind of as, as parity as ever why is there so much parity how is there so much parity well partly because it's a selling league in the sense that if a if any player becomes sort of too good for Liga MX they move abroad although that that's happening less with the money in Liga MX but that is generally still true um the foreign player restriction helps to keep parity i think because you know play, clubs are limited in who they can sign everyone must have a certain number of Mexicans Which yeah definitely creates parity that way, and I I think you know clubs in terms of size, people talk about the giants of America and Chivas and and they are in terms of kind of total number of fans, but when it comes to attendances, titles, money, they aren't giants and. Yeah, people talk about like the Big Four, and I don't you know, the Four Grandes. It, this, this doesn't, this doesn't exist. It, it, from my perspective, there's no such thing as the Four Grandes. It, it, to me, that's a load of nonsense. There's no way that those four stick out as the biggest teams in Mexico right now. If you were to make Four Grandes, Tigres have to be in there, right? Monterrey are probably in there as well. You know, Pumas bigger than Tigres right now. Chris Assault, come on I mean, Chris Assault get like 20,000 on a good day 10,000 on a bad day attendances, and and Tigres are selling out their stadium every week these four granders, it doesn't exist to me so, yeah, I love the parity I I love it, I'm not sure there is more than before, but I might be proved wrong as the season goes on and one final one from Chris 3 uh, Ask thoughts on America not letting rebay join up with El Tri? Uh, well, first of all, I think they have every right to. Um, it's a non-FIFA date, so they can. To be honest, I think it's a really clever move. Um, Peralta's getting on a bit now. He needs to be cleverly managed if he's going to perform at a high level throughout the whole season. Obviously, America are looking forward to um, the... Ligia, you know, they're struggling a bit so far this season, but you know, they've got the first win the weekend. They'll still expect to be in Ligia. They'll expect that Peralta will be a key part of a Ligia push. So they need him to be at his top form at the end of the season. And to do that, they need to cleverly manage him. And they, they can't have him playing you know, as many games as possible. He, he's, he's not young anymore. And... So I think it's a clever move. at The end of the day, this game against Iceland doesn't matter. It's it's a friendly. Um, it's a chance for Osorio. Actually, no, I'm not even going to say that because I hate when people say it's a chance for Osorio to look at other, uh, look at different players because he, he can look at them in in competitive league football all the time. Um, why would you want to watch? Him? Why would you want to judge a player on an on an international friendly? That means nothing. When you can judge them on a league game, that means something. But yeah, uh, I think it's a good decision, to be honest. Um, let someone else play. It, it, it will mean a lot more to a youngster or someone who hasn't had a chance for uh, Mexico before. And it will help Peralta in the long term, both both for America and, and for Mexico, I think, because he could have a big summer. Um, he may He's either going to sit on the bench in the Confederations Cup and not do anything, or he could be leading the line at the Gold Cup. So could be a big big summer for Peralta and Mexico need will need him at his best but yeah give him a rest now all right guys um that is it for this episode of the colourful kit podcast extra if you enjoyed then um please uh I would really appreciate it if you help me share this out as ever retweet tell your friends whatever you want to do um that would be greatly appreciated and let's just hope next weekend's a little bit more exciting than last weekend (laughs) because i'll see you next week guys